morning. You know, two weeks ago we started uh, this little focus on equipping our church to basically live out the faith. Okay? Better put probably, how can we be the church better? Okay? That, that's basically what we're trying to get at here. And I would hope and I would pray that you are here to worship God and worship God alone. Day one, that's what we've been all about, right? So I hope that you've come today expecting to worship God. And you've had that moment in prayer and in song and now in word. Um, but along with worship, we also want you to be stronger in your faith. I want to be stronger in my faith. I want to be able to live it out better. And so as I study and as I prepare, not only for me but for you, I want to equip you as I try to equip myself to be better at being the church, to have a stronger faith. So that's what we're working on here in this whole equipping thing. And uh, I don't know, some of you may remember comedian Yakov Smirnov. Uh, uh, he said this when he first came to the United States from Russia. He said he wasn't prepared for the incredible variety of instant products available in America grocery stores. He said, on my first shopping trip, I, I don't know if that's Russian or not. So I'll just, okay. He goes, on my first shopping trip, I saw powdered milk. You just add water and you get milk. Then I saw powdered orange juice. You just add water and you get orange juice. Then I saw baby powder. And I thought, America is great. Uh, what a country, right? Okay, well, maybe it's not that same way with us spiritually. You know, just add water. Just add God. And boom, here we are, growing up Christians, right? We're not so instant America, after all, when it comes to our faith. Uh, it takes time, doesn't it? It takes discipline. Spiritual growth, like physical growth, is a maturing process. And so that's what I, you know, let's, let's start at that spot right there and say, this is going to take time. And last week and the week before, we said God's Word, okay? Let's start, start here with our very first tool, our very first piece of equipment, and understand the purposes of God's very words. We sort of related this to a toolbox. I had the toolbox out here last week. Every tool has a purpose. I was told... Stick to the Bible. Forget about the tools. I uh, appreciate that. I won't mention who said that. And I won't even look their way, so I'll just keep my head down for now. Uh, each book and every book in God's Word has purpose, okay? Um, the Bible teaches us about God. The Bible teaches us how to live a godly life. The Bible teaches us how to communicate and develop a better relationship with the God of this universe. The Bible also exalts Jesus, and it prepares us for the mission that God's put on our heart to serve and live for Him. There are many purposes of God's Word, and so with God's Word having purpose, our heart has to have the right motivation to be in God's Word. So that's where we've been the last two weeks, and um, so I guess let's say this. Let's move in now to the next area of equipping, okay? So repeat after me. Church. That was so easy, wasn't it? If you're visiting here today, get used to this, okay? We'll do it a few more times, okay? That's the next area. It's the church. It's what Kathy talked up here with the kids about, the church, getting up and coming to church, right? And I've learned a, a great deal about Jesus, God's Son, by going to church. That's how I grew up. Some of you may be the same way. I mean, I don't know anything else but church on Sunday. I mean, from the time I can remember, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, missionary conferences. If there's something going on in the church and the doors are open, guess who's there? Our family was. 
So that's just typical, right? Some of you didn't grow up that way. Maybe it was just Christmas and Easter. Maybe it was just special occasions, weddings and funerals. Maybe that's when you went to church. Maybe halfway through your life you figured out, oh, I need to be there. So church changed for you. But there's more to it than just a building, okay? But this is what I've learned, and that is this. If I want to grow closer in my faith with Jesus Christ, I need the church. I can't do it alone. I went through that stage in, in college, um, basically saying, I don't need to go to church on Sunday. I can worship outdoors, in the forest, in the woods. I can, I can worship on a mountain. I can worship God. In, I can worship God in my dorm room. I don't need to go to church. That was part of a rebellious stage, me being lazy, not wanting to get up, not wanting to make the effort to go sit in a church building with other Christians. That was sort of that stage in my life when it's like, I'm very independent, don't need this. There's multiple reasons and other things, but really, when it all comes down to it, I did, I did need the church. See, America, we're really good with the Lone Ranger. Uh, younger people, that was a cowboy. It was a really cool show, radio show, too. Anyway, look it up somewhere, Google it. Um, but we are the Lone Rangers. We did everything on our own. Uh, and that's sort of the way our, our nation has been. Uh, we believe that heroes are strong, we're self-sufficient, we're independent. I can take care of this problem on my own. Um, so we tend to walk alone as well. And that individualism that we sort of engulf and accept penetrates all of us then, not just physically and emotionally, but spiritually as well. Thinking I can handle spiritual growth on my own. I, I don't need the church. I don't need a small group. I don't need a ladies group. I don't need a men's group. I don't need a youth group. I can do this on my own. And so we, uh, we sort of take the course and make the decision that's the right response. But unfortunately, as we look through the Bible, or should I say fortunately, as we look through the Bible, we discover we do need each other. We need the church. If you look at it from this perspective, in the New Testament, there are a whole bunch of commands in there, okay? And we know that Jesus summed it up and said what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as yourself. He summed it up in those two commands, but there was a bunch of other commands. And some of them included this. Love one another. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. Repeat after me. One another. See, there's a lot of one another commands in the Bible. If we're going to love one another and pray for one another and encourage one another, guess what? You can't do that on your own. There has to be another to do that with, right? If you're by yourself, you can't pray for another. If you're by yourself, you can't love another. If you're by yourself, you can't encourage another. Pretty simple stuff, isn't it? But for somewhere along the line, we say, um, I'm going to do this by myself. Well, you can't. It's impossible to follow Jesus alone. We need the church. And we can't claim to follow Jesus if we neglect the church that he created, the church that he died for, and the church that he basically entrusted his mission to. He has this huge mission. Guess who he gave it to? Us. Us. Not me. Us. The church. So, let's talk church. Look at the person next to you and say, let's talk church. Oh, wasn't that fun? Some of you hate that, I know. That's why I keep doing it. Okay. First, uh, let's make sure that we're not, uh, we're not guilty of belittling the church. Let's just start there. Okay. 
let's begin with uh, that, that point. Because I'll tell you this, I'm as guilty of it just as any of you are. Of belittling God's church in one way or another. It's a tough one for a lot of us. Because why? Because we've had a bad church experience. Because we were part of a church, part of a system, part of something that went wrong. It's so easy to talk about it and be negative about it. Been there, done that. It's very natural to have negative feelings. But we've got to remember, it's not a social club. It's not a building. And it's not an option. So when we belittle it, what are we belittling? We're belittling the bride of Christ. It took me a while. You know, a few years back, I finally swallowed that pill and believed that truth and understood, you know what, it's true. If the church is the bride of Christ and I'm ripping on the, the bride of Christ, I'm ripping on the bride of Jesus Christ. If somebody made fun of my wife, I'd be upset. She's my bride, okay? She's my bride. So if somebody makes fun of the bride of Christ, do you think that upsets God just a little bit? Probably, yeah. The church is God's strategy for reaching the world, and, and what we do as a church matters. It really does matter. So first thing is, let's make sure we're not belittling the church. Second thing is this, let's make sure we understand the value of the church. Because we tend to equate church life with events and programs, you know, GPS, East, all those, those great programs we have, but this is, what, this is the deal. Those things don't make the church, Okay? True North is not about GPS. True North is not about East. Okay? Programs are helpful to the extent that they basically facilitate the life and the mission of the church. And uh, we, we can't equate well-attended events with the health of a church. Do you see how many ladies came out to East? By the way, East is awesome. Okay? What the ladies are doing is, is one of the best things that's come around since, you know, I don't know instant oatmeal. It's just good, okay? It's just really, I like instant oatmeal, okay? It's just really good. And GPS on Wednesday nights, the um, way my schedule has been, sometimes Wednesday nights, I'm not there. Okay, now I am there, and I'm sort of sitting in and seeing what's going on, and I have no responsibility. I'm, I told Jenny, I said, I'm just going to start floating from one age group to the other, just sort of see what's happening in all of them instead of just one or two areas. And it's so far, and just, you know, I'm sitting back saying, this is so good. But does that make us a healthy church because we've got two really good programs? No. We can't equate numbers at a program to the health of a church. Okay? God cares about the church, um, about the way we love each other, about the way we purpose his mission. It, it's basically we're a group of what? Redeemed people, right? We've been saved. We've been redeemed. And so we serve together in such a way that our lives are in community. We function with one another. And our lives are transformed by Him, so now it becomes transforming amongst one another. Now, our interaction then with other people matter. If you're redeemed, and I'm redeemed, God says you've been changed and transformed, now you come together as a transformed group of people to fulfill His mission and purpose with other Christians. We are going to serve, we're going to serve others. We're going to be challenged. We're going to challenge others, okay? We're, we're going to make sure that we're living as He desires and functioning in a way as He intended. That's what the church does. And throughout the Bible, we see pictures of, of the global church. The global church is basically everyone that's got faith in Jesus Christ. That's the global church, okay? And then we have the local church, which is a group of particular followers, followers that gather in one place. That's us, okay? And there's a bunch of other local followers, local churches, that'd be L-O-C-A-L, not L-O-C-L, right? Local? Yes. 
Okay, just making sure we follow. There's many other local followers of Jesus Christ all around our community and other communities. Okay? It's important to understand that in the New Testament. Um, teacher Francis Chan in his book Multiply said, there's a 114 times the church is mentioned in the New Testament. That's a lot. And the majority of those times are referring to local, specific gatherings of the church. So if God puts that in his word, that the local church is important, don't you think we should sort of perk our ears to that and say, oh, if he's mentioned that many times in the New Testament, that's probably us, and we probably should see what's going on in the local church. So let's figure this one out, right? Yet despite uh, all that clear priority that the Bible puts on the church, being part of a local church, being part of the great mission, redeemed people coming together and transform lives to fulfill his purpose, for some reason, we still haven't made it a priority. A lot of people try to live their Christian life apart from serious, personal commitment to a local church. Aren't you glad you're here today? Because if you weren't, you, we'd be talking about you right now, right? Okay. See, that's the thing. That's a danger, too. We're not talking about all the people that aren't here today, okay? We're talking about us. Okay, so be careful in that too. When we're talking about this today, it's like, well, I wish they were here today. They need to hear this because they're not very committed to this church. This is for us today, okay? And let's pray that God speaks to other people who are not committed to get it. But right now, this is for us, okay? And I want you to think about some of the reasons that people don't come to church. Why are people not committed to the local church? I want you to think about that. Why are people not committed to the local church? I'm just going to give you four. Real quick, here's four. First of all, we're very self-reliant and we're very self-sufficient. Okay, repeat after me. Independent. We're just super independent, aren't we? So I don't need, I don't need this. I can do this on my own, right? And that kind of mutual interdependence and even submission and accountability to others. I'm going to share my prayer request with other people to pray for me? I can do that on my own. Oh, I, I can make good choices on my own. I, you know, I, don't, I don't need people to encourage me to be a man of God or a, or a woman of God. I can do it on my own, right? Very independent people. Here's another reason why people don't see value in the church. It's that they're often indecisive. Hopping from one church to another, I'm going to find that perfect place. I'm going to find that perfect place of worship. This, eventually, I'm going to find a church that makes me happy. Okay? Repeat after me. Not happy. Bottom line is, it comes down to people just aren't happy where they show up. Because they want it to be that perfect place that, you know, gives something to them. Here's a third uh, reason I came up with why people don't commit to the church. Is that many have been hurt in the past by things that happened in the church or things around them in the church? Um, let me hear you say pain. Yeah. A lot of pain. A lot of distrust. Right? I, I was um, going back and looking through some of the top disappointing stories of this past year in the world of sports. And I came across a few. wrote some of them down. I think my, my first one that came to my mind was the, uh, the New Orleans Saints, the NFL team that had that bounty program going on. Some of you maybe remember that with some of the coaches and ended up the head coach uh, was released and a lot of the assistant coaches were released. And it's like, really, they had some kind of bounty program going on where they would 
actually go out and try to hurt other people on the other team. And that's just disappointing because, you know, I, I sort of actually like that team, you know. And then you go to baseball and you have uh, basically after being named the all-star game MVP, he's the best out there, Melky Cabrera for the San Francisco Giants was suspended 50 games for uh, testing positive for high levels of testosterone. And so it's like, what? He was leading the National League in batting and then he's ruled ineligible. And by the way, you're going to miss out playing with your team who just won the World Series. Sorry. That's disappointing, right? And then, um, you know, if you're a hockey fan, well, we can't get along. We've got these disagreements on payment and all these other things. So it's like, well, we just missed a whole season and, or half a season, games canceled. And you've got people who maybe worked in the arenas, so they missed out on their income. So they were sort of left out, too. How disappointing. Lance Armstrong, one of the most celebrated and controversial athletes of this generation, was stripped of his seven Tour de France um, titles, Olympic medals, suspended from cycling, lost everything. For years, he said, I'm not doing the drugs. I'm not doing these per performance enhancing drugs. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And he finally came out on Oprah, Oprah Winfrey and, and nationally and just said, yeah, I did it. I lied. Man, how disappointing. And I sit there and think, well, maybe I can go in the world of sports. And I'm just picking on sports. This, this is across the board, entertainment-wise, educational-wise. I'm just picking on the world of sports, okay? Uh, I relate to that, I guess. Um, so I thought, if I could go to some very positive role models, Heisman Trophy candidates, right? And then you had Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel gets a speeding ticket, and he's got issues. And then Monte Teo, it's like, what? I, I don't even know what to think there. Oh, it's disappointing. And, and here's the thing. Disappointment, moral failure, lack of integrity, that's what? That's not just in sports. It's not just in education. It's not in entertainment alone. It's not just in the church. It's everywhere. Can I tell you why that is? It's because we're human. We are moral failures destined to mess up because what did God say? There's no one righteous, no, not one. And so being a part of a church, guess what? means you're probably going to find some pain and disappointment somewhere in here. Because none of us are perfect. Praise God that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to take care of our mess. Amen? Because, because we're such a mess, he said, I'm going to clean this up. And here's the plan. My son will die on the cross. He will come back from the dead. He will wipe out of your sins as long as you place your faith in him. Because we can't fix things on our own. That's such a good thing. But because of that lack of trust and that pain in people, some people say, I'm not going to the church. It's full of hypocrites. Yes. Yes, we are that way. Welcome to our church. I don't think any of us in here claimed True North. The perfect church. No. You know, North Clinton, Crossroads, you know, Trinity Luther, name the church, whatever you want to put. Slash, put perfect in there. It's not going to happen. So the next time, you know, you get disgruntled and upset with True North, I'm out of here. I'm going to find a church that makes me happy. Just do me a favor. Take along this thought. The next church you end up, will have the same kind of people there, okay? Not as good looking as all of you, okay? Um, but we're, we're messy, aren't we? We're messy. Some people don't see the importance of being specifically connected, okay, to a local church. 
like, I don't get it. What's so big about being a part of a church? I've got my club that I do this with. I've got my group that I do this with. I've got Thursday night, whatever. What's so big about Sunday? They don't get it. Repeat after me. Don't get it. Okay, so I threw some out there, okay? The independence, the, uh, the I'm not happy, the, the pain, the I don't get it. There's, there's reasons why people don't want to come to church, okay? But the Bible says the local church is important. Now, with all that being said, let's get into the Word, okay? Turn to 1 Timothy. It's in the New Testament. Past Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, keep going. First and Second Corinthians, a bunch of small books, okay? And you're going to come to 1 Timothy. 1 Tim- Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. The Bible says the local church is important. And here's one thing I want you to know about the, the local church, our church, okay? Let me start reading in verse 1, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. It's a true saying that if someone wants to be an elder, he desires an honorable responsibility. For an elder must be a man whose life cannot be spoken against. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exhibit self-control, live wisely, have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, peace-loving, and not one who loves money. He must manage his own family well with children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? Anybody hear that one? How can he take care of God's church? I just want to make sure you understand, because a lot of times we say, well, the pastor's in charge, the pastor's this. We're going to find out in a little bit here that we're all involved in ministering to each other, okay? And right now we're talking about the elders. Verse 6, an elder must not be a new Christian because he might be proud of being chosen soon, and the devil might use that pride to make him fall. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not fall into the devil's trap and be disgraced. In the same way, deacons must be people who are respected and have integrity. They must not be heavy drinkers. They must not be greedy for money. They must be committed to the revealed truths of the Christian faith. They must live with a clear conscience. Before they are appointed as deacons, they should be given other responsibilities in the church as a test of their character and ability. If they do well, then they can serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives must be respected. And must not speak evil of others. They must exercise self-control, be faithful in everything they do. A deacon must be faithful to his wife, and he must manage his children and household well. Those who do well as deacons will be rewarded with respect from others who have increased confidence in their faith in Christ Jesus. Now, again, why read that long section? Well, we got about three more to read, okay? But why read this one? Because I want you to know that God has entrusted local churches with godly leaders who teach his word, who care for our souls. One of the values and the importance of having a local church is having godly people in it who lead. Not just one, but a body of people who help lead. Okay? Turn to Galatians. Now from 1 Timothy, just head back towards the front, just a few books. Galatians chapter 1. I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 6. Just a few books back towards the front. Galatians chapter 6. Verse 1. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, it says this, Dear friends, if a Christian's overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently 
and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Be careful not to fall into the same, same temptation yourself. I want to back up here. When he talks about gently and humbly helping that person, the Greek words here, and we've talked about this before, I think, is the word used for setting a broken bone. If you've ever had a broken bone or dislocation, you know that the doctor just doesn't go in there and karate chop it back into place, right? He doesn't come in there and grab your arm and say, well, this looks like it hurts, right? What does the doctor do? The doctor comes in, maybe sedates you or helps give you a little pain relief, and then gently puts things back into place where they need to be. That's the same Greek word being used here when approaching somebody in the church who's making uh, some mistakes in life. We gently and humbly go to them and say, see you're hurting right now. This is what Paul's saying. Okay, let's move on. Verse 2. Share each other's troubles and problems, and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help somebody in need, you're only fooling yourself. You're really a nobody. Be sure to do what you should, for then you will enjoy the personal satisfaction of having done your work well. And you don't need to compare yourself to anybody else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the word of God should help their teachers by paying them. Don't be misled. Remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. You'll always reap what you sow. Now, why read those verses? Because I want you to understand that God has united us together in local church to keep one another from sinning and straying away from Christ. So see, the local church gathers because we have godly people who need to teach each other, right? We come together as a local church to help each other from messing up and sinning. That's what the church is for. Let me give you another purpose for the church. Uh, turn to Acts chapter 2. So we're going to continue to head back towards the front of the New Testament. Acts chapter 2. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter 2. Go to verse 42, please. This is probably one of the best-known scriptures used when talking about the church. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This is when the church was really just getting started. Let's read verse 42. They joined with the other believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, sharing in the Lord's Supper and in prayer. Stop for a second. Here's another. I don't, don't, let's not miss this one here. Another reason why we gather together? To celebrate, to break bread, to have the Lord's Supper, to be part of baptism services. We come to celebrate the incredible changes spiritually going on in our lives as well. That's a command to come together. Let's read on now in verses 43 to 47. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together constantly, and they shared everything they had. They sold their possessions. They shared the proceeds with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to the group those who were being saved. Believers come together in the church to share, to pray for each other, to encourage one another. When they did this, what I loved about this was they came together, they gathered together, and then they went out then to live their faith. They gathered to scatter. Okay, repeat after me. We gather to scatter. That sounds weird, doesn't it? But think about this. 
we gather together to praise God, to encourage one another, to be taught godly things, to help each other from messing up, to celebrate baptism, the Lord's Supper, to encourage one another, to share with each other in, in food and in time and prayer. And then what do we do? We scatter and we go do that with the rest of the world. That's the church. And clearly being a disciple and making disciples involves committing your life to the local church. Join together with other believers, hearing biblical teaching, hopefully being surrounded by uh, biblical leadership, and growing in the likeness of Christ and then expressing that love and to the world around us. That's the local church. Okay? Everybody follow me so far? I want you to understand what church is about. Because when I was a kid, church was about sitting there and listening to the pastor, and it was like Charlie Brown. Womp, 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 womp. And I just sat there, bored stiff. I looked at my bulletin, I played a little game, connect the E's, connect the I's, connect the O's, make diagrams. I'd lay down on the pew, I'd fall asleep. And then when I graduated from high school, no, I'm sorry, when I got older, got into high school, I'd moved up to the balcony, sat up in the balcony. What was church about then? Hanging out with my friends. It wasn't until I got older and you start to mature a little more, you start figuring out what the church is for. And over the past few years, being a part of this church, and, and, and again, I, let me back up even more. Being part of a, a church that I got plugged in my senior year in college helped me out. It was a very small church. And I got to be part of a youth group that had like four kids in it. It was that small of a church. And then when I moved to Wauseon and was a part of the, the church here in town, uh, it's now Crossroads, that was my church. Those people, you know, prayed for me and, and loved me, and, and I will never forget my years there. It really mattered. And now this is my new family, my new local church, okay? And, and now I've learned even more, and I've been encouraged more, and my faith has grown more. Every part of the local church, from when I was a kid to I got old, older where I am now, I've learned, okay? I wish I knew then what I need now. You know? Don't we all do that? But this is where I am now. This is where you are now. And I encourage you to understand the value of the church. Um, you know, when I, when I think about the, the many purposes we have, I think about, you know, we have the bulletin uh, cover. I think on the, on the front page, if you look at your bulletin, the verse that's expressed there, Ephesians 4.16, Take a look at that verse. Take a look at that picture. And if you see that, let me, let me read this verse to you. And I'm going to back up. And I'm actually going to read a previous verse. This is in Ephesians 4, so you can mark that down. Go back and read more of this. Ephesians 4, it says um, this. I'm going to back up to verse 11. These are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelism, pastors, teachers, Listen, their responsibility, it says in verse 12, is to equip God's people, which is what we're trying to do right now, okay? To do the work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we'll no longer be like immature children. We won't be tossed around and blown around by every wind and every kind of new teaching. We won't be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. Instead, we'll speak the truth in love. See, as we grow in God's Word, 
we put away immature things and immature thinking and we start growing up and saying, you know what, this is what truth is. And we start expressing that and learning that. We start speaking that. It goes on to say, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who's the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. Listen to that first part, okay? As each part does its own special work, each of you have your own part. Each of you belong to this church. You know, when I go back and I think about all those sports stories, maybe in music and education, all those disappointing stories, why did people do those things that they did? I, I really believe it comes down to some of that, just that original thinking that I want to belong to something. I want to become something. I want to believe something. And if I can put myself out there, people will accept me and I will, I will belong. And if I put myself in the spotlight and and be able to speak great things, people will believe me and I'll be able to believe something and I could, I could become something. And I feel that way about the church. I feel like the church is a place where we want to belong, where we can become something in Christ, where we can believe something. And see, when I talk about coming together and, and belonging and becoming and believing, picture the human body. You belong in the local church. You're part of the body. Without you, we're missing something. Each of you function in a different way, and that is so good. You contribute in some way or another, and that's so good. Because look what it says. It goes, each part has its own special work, but it helps the other parts grow. When you grow, other people grow. When you hurt, other people will hurt. It goes on to say, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's why we need godly teaching. That's why we need to open God's Word. That's why we need to pray for one another. That's why we have different programs as part of the local church to encourage each other, to pray for one another, to serve one another, to challenge one another. It's that one another coming together as a body. Everybody follow me on this? We're going to hit on some of these um, in the next few weeks about what specifically can we do as a church to grow? How about bearing one another's burdens? Ooh, that sounds messy. Yeah, see, you weren't supposed to carry your own burdens. That's the deal. What did Jesus say? Give that to me. Let me carry your burden, right? So we know we're supposed to give up our burdens to Jesus Christ, but here's the deal as a church body. When somebody's suffering in this church, we need to learn how to bear that person's burdens. We need to be there for them, to comfort them, to encourage them. Oh, man, I'm not good at that because I'm a quick-fix guy. Just, you know, hey, oh, I hear you're hurt. Here's a good book I read. And, I, you know, we mean well, right? But there's more to it than that. And we can all get better at that. And we'll get into that. You know, some of you, um, and I, I don't want to embarrass, um, I don't want to embarrass Colin. But I, I want to share just real quick, because, you know, Colin, your, your health issues sort of fit this. So, sorry, son, if I didn't ask your permission on this one. But when, when Colin first injured himself in his knee uh, a couple years ago, okay, he had that torn meniscus surgery, then he had something going wrong with the nerves being severed, and then he had drop foot. And so for a year, uh, he was dealing with a, an inoperable left leg that wasn't fully functioning correctly. And then you, you all know, remember the story then that during that time when he took off his prosthetic brace, he fell and fractured his arm. 
And then after he got his arm all healed up and um, the, the following summer, he fractured his, his hip and the, the muscle pulled away and fractured his hip. And it was like one thing after another for two years, okay? And then we figured it out. You see, his, his left leg, which was initially hurt, which was never 100% because of that drop foot, because that wasn't 100%, guess what happened? Everything over here had to work extra hard because this was 70%. This had to work that extra 130 to balance out. Does that make sense? And we discovered this and, and figured out, like, you know what? He's having problems over here because this still isn't functioning right. And so for the next year then, what he's learned and what we've learned is you've got to work on the core. You've got to work on the whole body now and rehabbing it. And what I've learned out of that is the same thing I've learned with the church. When a couple of us are struggling and we're at 70%, guess what? It's going to hurt somewhere else in the local church because somebody's going to try to overcompensate for what's not happening over here. But we're really struggling over here and now new problems are created because these problems are over here. And what we need is we need Christ to come to the core of our church and start working through the whole of our church and say, Christ, take over, okay? We need you to be the head of our church, not Pastor Rex, not Pastor Dan, not our elders, not our worship team. Christ has to be the head of our church at the core, working through all of us. You follow me on that one? Worship team, would you come forward, please? I want to encourage you as we continue to sort of look at the, the church, um, Bottom line is we, we want to get better at being the church. You know, at the close of every church service, you hear me say this, four words, right? What? Go be the church. Every service, I'm going to say, go be the church. And I hope and pray that those words don't become routine and mundane and monotonous. Um, I, I heard about a pastor who always started his church service with, the Lord be with you. And what do you think the congregation said in return? Some of you have probably done this before. The Lord be with you. And also with you, yeah, yep, and also with you. Okay, well, one Sunday that pastor got up and his microphone wasn't working right. So he got up there to say what he always said and he got up there and he said, oh, there's something wrong with the microphone. And the church responded, and also with you, yeah. Because <laughs> everybody was so routine and everybody was so into, yep, I heard it, I heard it, here it comes. And it's like, so when I say go be the church, I don't want you to say, yep, go be in the church, okay? And also with you, okay? I want you, every time we hear that, to say, yes, we need to go be the church. Amen? Would you please stand? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to worship you today. We want to worship you. We want to know you. You're the God of this universe who looks down on this world and sees a bunch of imperfect, messed up people, and you love us. And we can't fix it. So you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us to fix it. Thank you for doing that. And you said all we have to do is just place our faith in your son. And you come into our life. And you'll save us. God, you didn't just save us from hell. You didn't just save us so we can go to heaven. You saved us so we can start living today 
in a new way that honors you. So Lord, we're so thankful that you have changed us, you've brought us together to be the church. And there's a lot of reasons why people don't come to church, but we know this, we need each other. We know biblically we have to come here to learn and celebrate, to grow. We can't do this alone. So Lord, I'm thankful that we have a church body where we can do this. And for those that are visiting today, we're so glad they're here to be part of our church. I pray, Lord, that as we continue to seek truth in your word, we'll learn more what it means to be the church and to live in a way that honors you, to bear each other's burdens, to pray for each other, to encourage each other, to love one another. Lord, what an exciting thing it is to say, we want to grow. Because when we do that as a church, lives are transformed in this room, lives will get transformed outside this room. When we as a church start getting it, people outside these doors will get it. Lord, this isn't about us and being selfish and saying we want to grow so we can be healthy. We want to grow and be healthy so that others will know you. So Lord, help us to learn to be the church. It starts by us surrendering our attitudes towards you, our attitudes about the church, and our attitude about what we want to do in becoming the church. Search our hearts, Lord. Help us get on the right track with you. In my name we pray. Amen.